Hi there. Welcome to another edition of Making Money. Ron Hebert, the financial coach, is standing by. I'm Gord Whitehead, retired broadcaster. Two-part show coming up, part one this week, government risk. Um, I, I mentioned in last week's episode in the closing remarks, right, I'm not a big fan of government these days. I, I It just got so big and so bloated. And frankly, for me, I think they mess around in my life too much. Not only do they mess around in your life, but... I hear more and more investors telling me they just don't understand what's going on. A lot of the economic signals that used to work to tell them when to buy or to sell or where to where to channel their money don't seem to work anymore. And the reason for that is that government has become the 800-pound gorilla in the room. And they've distorted markets. They've bent things to try to make philosophical and political brownie points and, and decisions. And frankly, some of the things they're trying to do, if you look back historically, it's almost like they're trying to take the law of gravity and they feel that they can bend the law of gravity to their will and they can't. And so in this series of podcasts, we're going to cover what they're manipulating, the outcome of all this folly, a timeline when it will happen, and the investment steps you should be taking to protect yourself financially from what I consider one of the big risks out there, and that is government. So we've got a lot to cover. In fact, we've got so much to cover, we're breaking this down into two shows. So buckle up. Okay, let's start with a word you used there along the way, manipulating. It seems like they're manipulating everything. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you look at. The government's got their hand in there somewhere. And we're going to look at seven areas that government manipulation has really affected the, the, the normal movement or the normal reaction to market cycles that these things would have. The first is currency. And as we all know, they weaponize the U.S. dollar. They're cutting off countries that uh, they don't like from trading in it. And a big example right now is Russia. Uh, Iran is another example, and this could backfire and cause nations to dump their U.S. currency holdings or permanently use something else for international trade. And you're seeing that begin to happen. Uh, people are starting to trade in just straight commodities. They're doing swaps again. Uh, they're using the uh, Chinese yuan as an intermediary currency, or they're also just swapping their currency for another and not using the international uh, mediary, which has been the U.S. dollar since 1940s. So a weaker currency gives exporters an advantage against their competitors, and so that's why you see countries like, like China keep their currency very, very weak. And um, with the, the weaponization of the currency, you've got trade embargoes, you've got all kinds of things that, that are been used and it's been leading to inflation, it's been leading to uh, shortages of things. And so there's just a lot of problems with, with government manipulating things like that they have. So um, this has a big effect on your portfolio as, and as we go through these, you'll be able to see what a huge impact it's having. Okay, interest rates is another obvious area here. Uh, they're very much in the news. Uh, interest rate hikes, you know, inflation. They kind of go hand in hand. They go to the dance together here. So how and, and 
I don't know. Do governments have an answer here? I don't think they do. To be honest with you, Gord, I'm not even sure that governments know the question to have the answer to. So they've kept interest rates unmanageably low. And when I say unmanageably, I mean because when you keep rates too low, what happens is very highly stimulated to the economy. And people can afford to buy houses that probably can't afford them. Uh, they borrow lots of money. Uh, they make investments in real estate. They make investments in stock markets. It causes bubbles. And obviously, they've kept interest rates low because it uh, keeps down the amount of debt that people have to pay. But what it does is overstimulate the economy and lead to bubbles. And that is a very, very big risk that we face right now. I mean, interest rates are rising. House prices are definitely in bubble areas in many areas of the country. Uh, stock market is pulled back. But there again... Um, you got all these people that sat around because they weren't working between 2020 and 2022, and they poured huge amounts of money into the stock market because they could borrow very, very cheaply, and that pushed all kinds of companies like GameStop to, to levels which were unbelievable. So it distorts the economy, and as a result, things that used to work just don't anymore. Okay, let's talk about the bond market. Uh, fixed income is something that you know we've always talked about. It can be a, a cornerstone of a portfolio. But of late, th that hasn't been an area to go because the interest rates have been low. Now that they're coming up, do we pay attention to the bond market? And, and what's the government doing in there? Well, the problem is that because governments have gone crazy issuing debt to, to soften the effect of the pandemic, the governments are issuing way more bonds than there's a marketing market for. So in the U.S., the Federal Reserve has issued bonds, uh, or sorry, the Treasury has been issuing issued bonds, and the Federal Reserve has bought 60% of the bonds that are issued. In the Europe, for example, the European Central Bank has been buying 85% of the bonds that the European Treasury has produced. Now, you don't that have means to be a, nobody else wants them, doesn't it? That is exactly what it's saying. And you don't have to be a rocket science to figure out if, if they're issuing so much of this stuff and you've only got one buyer yourself, you know, you're issuing debt and your wife is buying it off you, or you're issuing debt and your husband's buying it off you because nobody else wants to buy it. Sooner or later, this gets you into trouble. And of course, governments have been manipulating uh, financial and bond markets because you know, they're buying bonds with weak credit ratings from financial institutions to help them clean up their balance sheets and give them liquidity. And, uh, you know, so weak credit ratings, uh, you know, you're looking at company, countries that are virtually bankrupt. And until just recently, you were only getting maybe a half a percent or a percent more in interest than you were for something with a AAA credit rating. So it's distorted the credit markets because uh, it seems that nobody's uh, afraid of what a low credit rating and default means anymore because the government has been stepping in buying this stuff. So this is just not good when you distort the bond markets and uh, risk has no premium in it anymore. And if you're a company going bankrupt, you can literally borrow at virtually the same rates as a solvent company, and that's not good. Okay, let's talk about the stock market. Um, you know, that's basically what we talk about here. The government's metal, it, look, it's had an effect on the stock market, right? Recessions and, you know, plunging stock prices and all that kind of stuff. And 
people just aren't aware of, of uh, the largest owner of Japanese stocks is not individual investors anymore, even institutions. It's the Japanese government, which has $430 billion worth of stock in their names. And one of the biggest players in the Chinese market is not Chinese individuals or institutions. It's the Chinese government. And in the U.S., in Europe, and Asia, there's been massive bailouts of financial institutions. You know, General Motors got a bailout. Uh, the French have recently nationalized a bunch of uh, energy companies that have got themselves into trouble. And, of course, uh, that, that's essentially bailed out uh, shareholders. So the government, is, is, their long tentacles have been getting into the stock market as well. And then the other one here that uh, is it, to me is so troubling, Ron, is is what they've done with the economy. They've pumped so much money in here and so much of it ill spent. Like it doesn't seem like there's a plan. They're just throwing money out of a helicopter here. That's why they call it helicopter money. You know, governments are subsidizing individuals, businesses, renters, landlords. Uh, they've uh, they've they've bailed out sports teams. They've they've supported bars. They've They've, they've just interjected them, themselves so much into the economy. And everybody now feels that um, if things go wrong, that Big Brother is going to be there to bail them out. And of course, that instead of being running efficient businesses, people aren't running businesses as efficiently as they did before because they're always looking at Big Brother. And here again, if you're not running an efficient business, you're not running a profitable business. And you need profitable businesses to pay taxes, to afford to hire people, and it just cascades through the economy. And the government really is ruining that. Look how hard it is to find labor now. Why work when you can get um, government subsidies that are higher than what you could make uh, when you were working? So it distorts the economy. It distorts the employers, employees. It's just not good to have them backstopping everything. We touched on this in a previous episode a couple of weeks ago where we talked about home builder stocks. What about the housing market here? They've, they've, they've got their, they're meddling in there too, right? They've, of course, you know, we had the enormous meltdown in 2007 to 2009 where they were giving what they were calling at the time ninja loans, which is no income, no job, no assets. So anybody would blow through the door and would be able to finance a home. Well, you also have, and this goes on in other areas of the world, so you have rent controls and that contribute to the housing shortage because, you know, if rents aren't going up as fast as inflation, nobody's building, um, nobody's building properties because, frankly, they, if the rent doesn't keep up with inflation, they get less profitable every year. And so you see these areas where there's high rent controls, Gord, and governments can't figure out why um, developers don't want to don't want to build. You know, governments have also made zoning laws so complicated that you go in many areas of the country, it's almost impossible to get approval to build anything. And even if you do get approval to build something, it's so bogged down. I mean, look at our pipeline process, where you know, to once you apply to build a pipeline, um, often. It'll go through about 40 dozen hoops before you get anything done, right? Oh, yeah. And, you know, 10 or 12 years and finally people just quit in exhaustion. And we're not just talking pipelines. Look at the LNG plants out on the West Coast. Well, the it became so complicated to build one that we had 10 hopefuls at one time. 
Now we're down to one, and uh, it's not going to be ready till 2025. The United States by that time is going to have eight to 10 of them pumping out natural gas. So when you got the government sticking its nose in, in business, it's hard, and especially in the real estate sector, it's just hard to get uh, things done because the zoning makes it so complicated to build anything. Okay, the final one is trade, and we taught, we touched on this. We talked about embargoes. Um, you know, that's a government operation, right? And and it looks like right now you could just sit back and say, well, they're not working. <laughs> no, the governments have, are proving conclusively that that once again embargoes don't work. They embargoed Cuba, North Korea, Iran. They haven't changed their behavior at all. And Russia, because it supplies so many key materials, uh, is actually not doing nearly as bad as all the predictions that it was going to bring them to their knees. Well, the Russian ruble is trading at all-time highs. Why is that? Well, traders are looking at what's happening in Russia and how they've been able to evade all the embargoes and the fact that they have uh, Europe boxed in a corner. Europe when it gets fall and energy prices and demand go up, um, Europe is going to have to back off their their position because there's no way uh, it, that if they if they keep putting pressure on Russia, that Russia is going to export oil to Europe and, and Europe will go into a recession or even a depression. So the idea that um, you know governments can control trade, well, all of this is done is literally take us to the brink of recession and maybe even a uh, depression in some areas of the world. So governments don't control everything. And when they meddle too much, it just mixes everything up. So let's let's move on here then. Okay, so what is wrong with all of these things we just talked about? And I think the first and most fundamental one is governments aren't really good at business. <laughs> they just aren't. No, if, I mean, frankly, if you wanted an investment partner, would you ring up someone in a government department to want them to, to uh, invest in your business? Um, not I. I mean, I think governments are basically useless at uh, wealth production and picking wealth-producing uh, industry. And I also think that when you get governments involved, you get bad actors that aren't allowed to go bankrupt and they're continued to uh, you know, and encouraged uh, to continue their financial behavior, which is really bad. You know, capital gets stuck in zombie businesses instead of these businesses going under. And, you know, it's like cleaning out a forest where, you know, you get healthy trees which get to grow toward the sun. So it's hard to have lots of, of capital supporting healthy uh, growing businesses when you, you allow all the bad actors to continue. I, I, the one that there's a name that pops to mind here, and I'm not saying that they don't build good products because over the years they've they've proven that they can, but they've also had a huge infusion of capital from the government, and that's Bombardier, right? They, how much money have we poured into that place? Well, I think that if the money that they'd spent bailing out an industry that's barely surviving, um, you know, and they put it toward uh, lower cost financing to businesses that. Um, uh, are doing well and are growing dramatically, that's where you want to put your your money because the, your future tax revenue is not is not by continuing to pump capital into businesses that are slowly going under and paying less every year. If you want to have a healthy economy with healthy tax base, 
You want to support the businesses that are growing, that are increasing their tax base, that are hiring more people, that are paying more taxes. That's how you grow the economy. And so when you're looking at only getting votes, uh, what you're doing is there's an old saying, when you suck the oxygen out of the room with higher taxes and misdirecting your capital, there's no capital uh, left or less capital is available for wealth-producing businesses uh, to be invested in. Okay, we've uh, we've talked a lot about what's gone on during the pandemic, and it was something that in our lifetime we'd never seen. So, you know, I, I think you have to sit back and you got to cut a little bit of slack. you got to say, okay, they they tried this. This is like a big financial experiment here right now. This is like a lab experiment experiment where we've never gone through this before. We've never gone through 2007 to 2009 where the government literally from that point on launched themselves into every corner of, of the economy. And then when you had the pandemic, they ended up supporting everything. And so this is often viewed, Gord, as the biggest economic experiment in history. And, um, you know, over the years, I had a lot of people from the Federal Reserve to the Bank of Canada to some of the, the biggest investment players in not only North America, but globally. And they've been telling me that they have no clue how this is going to end out. But, you know, usually experiments when you're throwing money at walls and things like this, often they end very badly. And, uh, you know, when you've got governments and you've got central banks that uh, are hope, that they're using hope and winging it, you have to realize that hope and just winging it are not strategies. You know, they've got their fingers crossed and their nose plug just hoping the worst doesn't happen. And usually it does. And, you know, as a taxpayer, I sit back and I see some of the things that go on in Ottawa and I, I find maybe I'm a little too judgmental. I think that's just a bad idea. Why aren't they putting money into things that are necessary? Like we've talked about infrastructure. Like, you know, the infrastructure bank, you've got money missing. We don't, nobody knows where it's gone. That's the kind of stuff that's so frustrating as a taxpayer. When you ask yourself, how are we going to compete 20 years from now with, with China? Because China has lower wages, higher productivity. Well, the only way to compete with them is that we've got to manage our infrastructure so that we can get products to market faster than they can. We educate our workforce so it can be very, it can be productive. You've got to put your money in things like education. You've got to put your money in infrastructure, our ports, uh, bridges, railroads, things like that to keep us competitive. And if you're just spending money on social activities or, or social safety nets, that isn't creating jobs, creating taxes, and creating a future where we can be competitive. Well, it's also yeah. destroying initiative, Ron. I mean, you know, like you want to have a little go get them and get out there and try to accomplish something, right? Truly. So stimulus money is now flooding into the hands of Joe and Jane Average, like you say, and uh, we're seeing uh, financial asset inflation joined by wage inflation and price inflation of consumer goods. And, you know, this has directly been caused by what governments are doing. And, you know, governments right now are taking the fifth and saying, no, we didn't do this. It's the war in Russia. But the onus for what has gone on, much of this, uh, the building blocks for where we are now happened long before Russia invaded Ukraine. 
Okay, so all of this extra money, too, has has even pumped up bad investments, right? Well, you look at an exchange-traded fund. So an exchange-traded fund on a market like the S&P 500 or like the, the Russell 2 or 5,000, uh, if you buy an exchange-traded fund, you're buying all 2,000, 5,000, or 500 stocks, depending on what index you're doing. So as all this money pours in that's being given to people, it causes, you know, like Warren Buffett would say, when the tide comes in, all ships go up. And you really don't find out anybody uh, who's not wearing a bathing suit until the tide goes out. So, you know, when you've got too much money flowing in, even companies with bad credit ratings that aren't doing very well, they get um, they get floated upwards in price. And um, in investment parlance, we call uh, price discovery, where you have individuals looking and saying, "Well, this is a good stock. I'm going to buy it, and that goes up. This is a lousy stock. I'm going to avoid it, and that goes down." Well, when you don't have price discovery. You have winners and losers acting the same way. And so when you look at the markets, you try to wonder, you know, you're wondering, why is it so strange that winners and losers are moving in the same direction? Well, that's what happens when you get way too much government intervention. Okay, so this influx of capital, too, over the last couple of years, this government spending, it's distorted everything. I mean, what's reality now, right? Yeah, it's distorted supply and it's uh, distorted demand. And, you know, the government has not been paying any attention uh, to the areas that they should have noted that when we came out of the COVID, you know, the pandemic that we went through, that, you know, there's certain areas that uh, money should have gone to, you know, like getting passports fixing up our airports. You know, most of these are under federal jurisdiction. And, um, you know, we're just not, we're just not, money's just not going to useful places to invest and use. I mean, you know, airports are very important. You know, it's the backbone of, of a lot of commerce. You get a lot of business travel, you get tourist travel. Well, you're just, government's money and is just going all over this, this place where it shouldn't be. It distorts relationship between supply and demand. It's not going to where it's needed. Its excesses are showing up where it's not needed. And obviously, it's creating inflation. And, you know, when governments stick their nose into areas which they really don't have a great deal of expertise, you get the mess you have. And, you know, gosh knows that there's been more horror stories about air travel than good stories. I mean, it, you anecdotally, I mean, I'm sure you know people that have had nightmare tales that trying to travel and stuff. The airports are just a complete fiasco right now. Yeah. And of course, you know, um, allowing um, these protesters to block off railroad travel for, for weeks and weeks and weeks upon end, you know, governments need to focus on the economic lifeblood of the country and make sure that that continues to go forward. And of course, you know, you just have a lot of misdirected priorities. And with this misdirected priorities, you get uh, spending and money creation that just goes to the wrong areas. Okay, so now until recently, the markets were going up, even while the economy was in the tank, right? <laughs> yeah. And and this is our last point in, in, this, uh, in this sector uh, that we've been talking about. And 
here again, investors are scratching their head gourd. You know, they can't they can't figure out, for example, why we went through a very deep recession in 2020 when COVID-19 hit. But uh, the market was down for 30 days. Well, that's because the government uh, jumped in and subsidized everything. And when markets no longer reflect reality, you have to worry about what they do reflect. And unfortunately, it's usually greed. And this is called decoupling. And it's a big warning side when greed and illogic trumps reason. Hmm. Complex issue. Lots to talk about. We've covered just, I think we just kind of scratched the surface here, but we've itemized a lot of areas that I think most Canadians have to sit back and, you know, it doesn't matter where your political affiliations lie. You have to look at this from a practical standpoint and say, boy, we're, we're really in a lot of mess here. And how do we work our way out of it? So we'll be back next week to continue with this thing on government risk. Because it's a big area, and it's one we should all be paying attention to. Ron Hebert is the financial coach. I'm Gord Whitehead. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Making Money. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.